During World War II, what did the United States government remove from luxury department stores and place in defense plants? More interesting yet, how many pickles does the average American consume every year? <laughs> Answers to those and other interesting questions. People want to know this. Coming stuff, up today Bob. on the off ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity. We are doing shelter-in-place trivia. This is the end of the fifth week of sheltering-in-place. We've gathered a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I got some more famous last words. Oh, do you? (laughs) I know you have some other fun stuff, too, but let's start with those first two questions we did. Yours first. The pickles. Okay. I mean, people, we're getting, I bet we went up two Two, three listeners with that Okay, tease. tell me tell me the pickle. Okay. okay. According to the Department of Agriculture, how much in pickles does the average American consume annually? Now, are we talking number of pickles? Are we talking pounds of pickles? Let's talk pounds. Wow. Pounds of pickles. <laughs> this is the question that's burning in the minds of I most people. I think so. Okay. I, we are all at home. We got a lot to think about, and that's one of them. Uh, pickles. Okay. I will say... Uh, five pounds of pickles. That's pretty good. It's actually eight and a half pounds of pickles a year. Jeez. And dill pickles are twice as popular as sweet pickles. So more of those pickles are dill. And interesting because dill pickles are not, they're not sweet at all. I like dills better myself, but uh-huh. they're, you know, really make your lips curl up, you uh-huh. know. I think it's directly proportionate to how many cheeseburgers we eat. I think you're right. <laughs> I think McDonald's and Culver's and Burger King and all these places are driving the pickle consumption, the pickle consumption in this be. country. All right. Now, here is a very interesting question. President Trump has taken that Defense Procurement Act and used it to help to compel numbers of manufacturers to make ventilators and respirators and uh, masks and so forth. And that has a uh, antecedent back during World War II when the government did take over a lot of factories and a lot of uh, manufacturing facilities and make them do things like you're going to build tanks now. You're not going to build cars anymore. And you're going to build aircraft, Ford. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So during World War II, what did the United States government remove from luxury department stores and put in defense plants? Remove from- They removed something from luxury department stores and put them in defense plants. Well, it wasn't uh, hosiery, was it? Some no, stockings? no. Stockings? That's wasn't put something else. Female mannequins or anything like that. No. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Think about a luxury department store. Yeah, I am. Pleasant place to shop. Oh, what yeah. would they remove from a luxury department store? They have fireplaces. I remember that. And place in defense plants. I don't know. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Oh. Air conditioning was a luxury. They had. I'll bet it was. And they were removed from stores like Tiffany's in New York and were placed in war-related industrial plants to help improve the production of workers. Hmm. That's kind of funny, I think. Interesting that they... They Not w- funny, haha. No, but, but they went into Macy's and Tiffany's said, we're going to yeah. take these, you know. Take and they, our air conditioners. We're taking wow. our air conditioners. Wow. See you later. As long as they don't come to my house and take it, that's Okay, fine. now we know numerous people who've been involved in rotary clubs or uh, rotary auxiliaries, you know, mm-hmm. where female. Where does the rotary club get its name? And it goes back to Chicago, 1905. 19 what? 1905 in Chicago, the Rotary Club. Rotary International, it's called now. Yeah, I'm trying to think. 
The uh, name, think of the name. Yeah, I am. Is Rotary. It, uh, one, uh, yeah. The rotation, rotation. Rotation. Rotary. That's, that, that's why they got the name. It's members met in rotation at the offices or places of business of the various members. The oh. Rotary Club. <laughs> Whereas, here's a question for you, Bob. What's the longest amount of time a solar eclipse can take place? Oh, the- that's a good one. So it only takes place over a certain amount of time. And I think it's only like maybe two and a half minutes or something like that. It appears any one place. Due to the rate of the speed at which the sun moves, Uh it's impossible for a solar eclipse to last more than seven minutes and 58 seconds. Wow. And any given location on Earth, it's going to last no more than that. Yeah. Seven minutes and 58 seconds. But it's impossible to be longer than that. You know, we all know that the potato originated where? Ireland? South America. Oh, that could have been my question for you. Where did the potato originate? Answer? Ireland? No, I told you the answer. South America. South America. (laughs) (laughs) They were imported to Europe by the 1500s with Spanish ships returned from Peru with their silver and all that. Yeah. But they were slow to catch on. Why were they banned in Burgundy at one point? Potatoes? Yeah. Tell me. Well, people thought they caused leprosy. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. I believe happen, that. Right? Yeah. I still do. That's yeah. why I don't eat them. <laughs> okay. Where is the longest canal in the world? Oh, I would say wrong. Panama, but no, huh? You'd think it was Panama, but there's another famous canal in, in the Middle East. It's called... Suez? Suez Canal. Yeah. And that's not it. <laughs> And then there's the it's Erie. The only two I know, Bob. The Erie Canal, but that's not it either. I know that one too. Okay, the longest canal in the world is in China. It's the Grand Canal in China, which connects the Yellow and the Yangtze rivers. And when was that built? Give me a clue. Well, you think about the Suez and the Panama Canal were built with modern equipment, you know, huge cranes. And the Suez was 150, 60 years ago. The Grand Canal was built 1,400 years ago. And it's 20 times as long as the Panama Canal. 20 times? That's hard to believe. It's in China. Uh, look, at the, look at what the Romans did uh, so long ago. Okay. Okay. Well, interesting. Okay, Bob. I think you know one of these two, but can you name name the two oldest cities in the United States? I think they're St. Augustine and um, New Mexico. Uh, what is it? The answer is... Santa Fe. Santa Fe, yes. And they're both about the same year, aren't they? Well, 1565 for Augustine and 1609 for Santa Fe. So the oldest is still St. Augustine, which we went to a few years ago. What a beautiful place that is. That's right. And the Spanish fort, the fort that the Spanish built there, is still there. And that was to monitor the traffic on the ocean to make sure that the treasure ships didn't get uh, taken over by pirates. All right, here's one that's topical, okay? Mm-hmm. What, why did plague doctors look like walking birds? <laughs> well, walking birds, that means they must have had something over their nose. Yes. Plague doctors like a cone of silence, a cone to protect them breathing. That's right. That's exactly right. So we know what the hazmat suits look like that people are having to yeah. use these days with the coronavirus and stuff. Well... Plague doctors were basically wearing the hazmat suits of their time. It's head-to-toe protection, 
Uh, today, the hazmat suit has like a headgear, looks like a snorkel. Yeah. Well, doctors in the 1600s wore the original hazmat suits, which originated in France. And a guy named Charles Delorme in 1630, who was the chief physician to French kings, proposed doctors wear a thick black overcoat, gloves, circular glass, and a mask plus a wand to inspect patients from a distance or keep them at a distance. Oh, really? <laughs> but the bird look came from the masks. They were leather masks which ended in a beak-like point huh? because there was belief that the plague could be spread through its terrible smell. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Oh, so the beak would prevent doctors from breathing that air. And then doctors also stuffed the inside point of that beak with mint or lavender spices to keep the stench out of their noses. But if you see any of these pictures from that time, they looked like bird-like costumes and paintings from the Middle Ages. And those bird-like masks were still used into the 19th century in some third world countries. I think I've seen pictures of them. Yeah. They're bizarre. You thought it was like some kind of a ritual or something. Yeah, well, look at the hazmat suits. That's pretty bizarre, That's, too. That is very that is, bizarre. scare the disease out of you. God. Again, let's stick with health for a moment. Okay. And I got this from our, our local uh, AARP bulletin here. Okay. But this is, uh, I've always been interested in this substance. They say now that two tablespoons of this daily, every day, will fight not only heart disease, but cognitive decline in a big significant way. Two tablespoons of this. What is it, Bob? It's not honey. <laughs> My favorite topic from one of the other shows. No. Okay, it's uh, two tablespoons. Tablespoons. Those are big. That is big. Well, I'm sure it's not sugar. I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's not jelly. So it must be, is it something that's medicinal, like uh, castor oil or no, something like that? No, no, no. It's much better than that. It's extra virgin olive oil. Oh, no kidding. Oh, there's a lot of research on I, You know, I always try to cook with olive oil because I've always believed it was good. But now more and more data is coming in about how really good it is for you. And, uh, and oddly enough, some of the best extra virgin olive oil comes from California because they're highly regulated. And so only the best goes out of there. So keep that. I'm always looking for Italy, but they've got good stuff in Italy, but I don't know if they ship it over here. Which brings me to, in normal times, Italians outlive Americans by an average of four years. But in this one little um, mountain region of uh, Sicily, the people, the locals regularly live past 100 at a rate of more than four times greater than Italy as a whole. Wow. And this is because it's olive tree country, and they're always snacking on olives and using the fruits to prepare dinner. They're just sucking down olives all the time, and uh, living to 100 there is no big thing. It literally unclogs your arteries, and sometimes uh, dementia that's already started, Alzheimer's even, it can reverse. Really? Because it breaks up that coagulation of brain cells. So it is a uh, a medicinal topic, I mean, treatment then. yeah. So uh, I'm trying to figure out a way we'd hanker down two <laughs> tablespoons of that a day, pour it on some bread or Just got to go over the olive oil store, but it's closed we right sh- now. It is. <laughs> hey, you know, you and I always like these uh, interesting facts, juxtaposition of things happening together, and they're very odd that they happen together. This is from 1958. June 10th, 1958, a tornado crashed through El Dorado or El Dorado, Kansas, it pulled a woman out of her house, carried her 60 feet away, and landed her, relatively unharmed, next to a copy of the record Stormy Weather. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that 
<laughs> Isn't that just amazing? Well, how did I not know that? And I used to love that song. Oh. I, it was it was old when I was young. Since <laughs> my man and I ain't together. Wow, very good. Well, that's serendipity, I would guess, huh? You like words. I got one that's kind of fun. I use them regularly. Okay, well, yeah, you do use them regularly. Okay. Where does the name of the European country Spain come from? What does that name mean? Master Charlie. No, that's Italian. That is. So what Spain. is Spain? What where does the name Spain come from? I don't know. Tamales. Okay. Well, apparently it was once known more for its animals than its dancers. We know Spanish dancers. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the Carthaginians of the sixth century gave the land the romantic name of Spania which means land of the rabbits. Originally, apparently, was a place where there were a lot of rabbits. Is that right? Okay, what prompted the forming of the first U.S. Automobile Association? What specifically prompted the forming of the first U.S. Automobile Association? I have no idea. It was formed specifically for the purpose of providing scouts or lookouts who would warn motorists about Police traps. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's curious. That's an interesting factoid. And we'll be back with more factoids coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Shelter in Place Trivia on the Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. We're back again. This is Bob and Marcia Smith, and we are doing Shelter in Place Trivia. This is the end of the fifth week of Sheltering in Place, and Marcia has an interesting question. Okay, uh, going back to words, Mm -hmm. the 10 most commonly used words, I'd like you to name five of the 10 most commonly used words in the English language. Now we're using articles too, like the, can that be one Uh of them? Okay, the, Mm -hmm. ran, C, no, A, yes, love, no, go, no. Oh, well, I'm not doing too well there. I think I did 10, something like it. No, it's the, of, and a, to, in, is, you, that, it. But you can't even make a sentence out of all that, can you? No, you, you cannot. <laughs> you can't, but those are those are the 10 most commonly used words. <laughs> okay, I have a... Remember we were talking the other week about the borders and how hard it would be to cross to close the, the border between the United States and Canada? Uh-huh, okay. yes, yes. I want you to tell me what are the four things that are unusual about the town of Hyder, Alaska? You can guess what one of them is. I can. Well, based on the context of my question... H-Y-D-E-R. It's a little place. Only 87 people live there. <laughs> really? No, you tell me, Bob. Okay, first, it's as far east as you can go in Alaska. Uh-huh. It's the town furthest south in Alaska, so you can get there by car. But that brings us to the third unusual thing about Hyder. Hyder, Alaska. You can only drive there from a foreign country. Canada. Oh, and it uses a Canadian area code because it's it's right next door to Stewart, British Columbia. There are no border controls. You can drive back and forth between those two towns. Okay, now every business in Hyder, Alaska accepts U.S. and Canadian currency except one. What business does not accept Canadian currency? The post office. Oh, that was my first guess, and I thought, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, now the biggest difference between that town and uh, Stewart, Canada, which is right next to it. Yeah. Everybody in Hyder is well-armed because the U.S. gun laws are less restrictive. (laughs) Well, isn't that swell? So there's just a little fact there about Hyder, Alaska. Well, speaking of uh, the postal system, Bob, Mm -hmm. in the late 1800s, 
What did the postmasters of Afghanistan make their postmasters do to cancel stamps? What did they require them to do? Did they have to uh, open up an artery and put blood on the stamp <laughs> or something like that? No. What? What was it? They had to cancel postage by actually biting off a piece of the stamp. <laughs> so, so if it were teeth marks there, you knew. You knew oh, if, you, if you ripped it off with your teeth. Don't ask me why, Bob. It's I'm, I don't make this up. Jeez. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I've got a question for you. This country is also in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. This country is in the Middle East. 99% of its population lives on 4% of the land. Now, we're talking probably well over 50 million people, maybe more. Jeez. Live on 4% of the land. 99% of the population live there. What nation is it? Uh, Lebanon. Think of geography. Lebanon. Think of water. Water? Oh, you, you mean this has a lot of water. No, people need water. They do. So they'd have to live near... Water. So where is there a big, sandy... Water mountain. No, desert. <laughs> desert. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. The answer is Egypt. Oh, that was... Yeah, we, we know for pyramids and sand. But yeah. most of the people live in the flat-roofed, sun-baked homes in the Nile River Delta. 90% of Egypt's people there live in that just little area. Okay. All right. This is a quote for our times. Okay. But it's not. It's from 1936. Who said it? The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. What? <laughs> what? I love that. But think uh, about it. How many people can't think of two sides of an argument without their head exploding? So this was a maybe a, an attorney, possibly? No. I'm asking for clues. No, no clue. No, oh. no. He was a writer. A writer. And I'm thinking of... Uh, 36. The guy who wrote the books about the Middle East, T.E. Lawrence. Ah, good. No. It was F. Scott Fitzgerald. Really? Did, could he, you read did the, he write The Last Tycoon? The Last Tycoon? <laughs> yeah, he did. It was unfinished. Yeah, unfinished. That's, that's when he uh, passed. Could you, could you uh, read that quote again? Because that's fascinating. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Very good words. They are, aren't they? Speaking of words, I have some famous last <laughs> words. Some more famous last words from oh, uh, oh, do share from Bob. that book by uh, Ray Robinson. So what famous man's last words were, leave the shower curtain on the inside of the tub? Wow. That's got to be a guy with issues. <laughs> Jeez. Or not. Or <laughs> I don't think this guy, based on his profession, he didn't have any issues. Uh, he was very successful at... Uh, at uh, what field? I'm asking you. I'm asking you what okay, field. Okay, hotels. Hotels. Oh, well, he was concerned about shower curtains. Um, okay, I'll say Hilton. Yeah. Conrad Hilton. I was right. Yeah. He, uh, he began his career actually renting out rooms in his home in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he was the first... Uh, yes, it was like an Airbnb. Uh, eventually got into the hotel business, and of course he built an international empire of hotels. And he died in 1979 
But he lived a life where he thought of nothing but what? Hotels, right? Yeah. And on his deathbed in 1979, he was asked if he had any last words of wisdom, and that's what he said. Leave the shower curtain on the inside of the tub. Well, that makes sense. At first, (laughs) I thought he was some kind of nutcase, but that actually makes sense for that guy. Okay, I have another funny, interesting last words. And you won't know this person, but it's an interesting story. Okay. This person's famous last words were, wait a second. (laughs) It was a woman. Uh-huh. And guess why she wanted people to wait a second? She had or, more to say. Or she wanted God to wait a second. Oh. Madame de Pompadour. She was a mistress to Francis Louis XV. She was a patron of the arts and theater. And as Ray Robinson, author of Famous Last Words, described, she was never one to appear looking anything but her best. So she put God on hold on her deathbed, <laughs> saying, wait a second, uh-huh. applied a final touch of rouge to her cheeks, oh. and died. Well, that's classy. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. I believe vain people probably live a little longer because they care. What about mean people? <laughs> One hopes not, but who knows? Who said, I don't have to forgive my enemies, I've had them all shot? <laughs> <laughs> Again, somebody you never heard of, but it's it's a funny story. A dying Spanish general, Ramon Maria Navres, he had used violence and suppression to consolidate power for Queen Isabel II, and he'd been given big positions, one of which was the prime minister, and that's who he was as he was dying. And a priest asked him if he wanted to forgive anyone, and he said, I don't have to forgive my enemies. I had them all shot. That is very funny. And then he died. Yeah, well, rightly so. That's a little karma. Yeah. Okay, Bob, you may recall Tiny Tim got married on uh, The Late Show one night, right? Oh, the Johnny Carson Show. That's correct. Years and years ago, The Tonight Show. That's right. What was his bride's name? Miss Vicky. Oh, see, you do know. Oh, isn't that I don't know what her last name was. No, nobody does. (laughs) I don't think she had one. And now it's uh, Tiny. (laughs) Vicky (laughs) Vicky Tiny. And then they got divorced. Yes, they did. I, I don't know. I got another question on a country. We always compare notes with other countries. How are they doing with the coronavirus? How is this country doing? How are Mm -hmm, we doing? mm -hmm. Uh, And I haven't heard much about this country with regard to that. But this is a country. Now, this is in Europe. Listen carefully. It's in Europe. No one lives more than 33 miles from the sea. It's not Italy. Okay. uh, Okay. Scotland. It's, It's a peninsula nation. Say it again. In this country, no one lives more than 33 miles from the sea. It's in Europe. Which country is it? (laughs) Okay, the country is Denmark. Oh. It's in the northern part of Europe. It consists of a peninsula and two groups of island. In fact, the capital city of Copenhagen, is it's on an island. And in Denmark proper, no one lives more than 33 miles from the sea. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, Bob. Who established the Purple Heart? Which president? Oh, that's a good one. Was that Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, I'll say. No. Oh. Uh, so it was before him, though. It was. Um, okay. I, I would say, I, I'd go back to Andrew Jackson or Tyler, some ah, of the people who were who yeah. were in military. Yeah, you'd still be wrong. Because oh. it goes all the way back. It still goes. It, oh, it goes back to Washington, doesn't it? It does. It's George in 1782, and it was an award for bravery. Then it went away but revived in 1932 as an award to those who had been killed or wounded in military action. But George started it all. Okay, speaking of presidents, (laughs) what president said, 
This is his last words. Okay, of course. I, I, I always talk better lying down. Oh, that's <laughs> sad, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know who. James Madison. It was probably pretty good because he never stood tall. He was only five feet four. Oh. <laughs> but, of course, he was a giant. In other ways, he was responsible for the Bill of Rights and, and much of the Constitution. But James Madison's last words were, I always talk better lying down. Okay, and who said, in the name of God, please let me die in peace? <laughs> I like it. I don't know who. Voltaire. Oh, the, okay. I thought I'm looking for a president again. No. The, the, oh, I would have got Voltaire in a Voltaire second. Voltaire was kind of, because, you know, he he didn't, uh, he fought ignorance all his life, and he thought religion was kind of ignorance. Mm-hmm. He, did, he rejected Christianity. He believed in deism, but he didn't believe in any one person being mm-hmm. savior of the world or anything. And... Uh, so on his deathbed, he was asked if he would finally recognize the divinity of Jesus Christ. He was having none of it. He said, in the name of God, please let me die in peace. <laughs> you want to talk God? In the name of God, let me alone. Leave <laughs> okay. me alone. All right, let me see if I have any left. From which Broadway musical is Irving Berlin's composition? There's no business like show business. <laughs> You're singing it like Ethel Merman, who I think, didn't she debut it? I think she did. She did. In she was, what? Uh, it was one of those rousers. Uh, Everything about it is appealing. Okay, what's the name of the show? <laughs> I'd rather hear the name of the show than to hear more lyrics from the song. Fine. Annie, get your gun. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Annie, get your gun was about who? Annie Oakley. That's exactly right. Okay, you know, we are focused on uh, online communication to talk to people these days, either through Zoom or through email, which is carried over the Internet, or through, uh, you know, websites and so forth. So let's go back. Another question on YouTube. One of the favorite viewing habits of people these days as they're cooped up in their homes or their apartments. How much content, video content, is published every day on the internet by regular people. How much video content? Video content. Mm-hmm. Well, I, in terms of uh, what's the metric? Well, you could do hours. You could do... You decide what metric you want. Could be days, could be weeks, could be years. I was going to say hours, but obviously that's too little. How much content do everyday people publish every day on the internet? I'll say 10 days worth. Well, that's a good one. That'd take a long time to watch, right? It's much more, isn't it? Yeah. You're setting me up, I can I'm tell. setting you up. This comes from a uh, an article, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a second, called The Worst Job in Tech. This was uh, published by the Wall Street Journal back in 2017. YouTube reports that the equivalent of 65 years oh, of video, sake. 65 years of video Lord. are uploaded to YouTube every day. And think, of, you know what I think of when I hear that? I mean, think of all the, all the IT machines that are holding all this information all the servers and everything the servers all in these storage farms yeah storage farms data farms can we can i say that all the storage farms used at 65 years a day a day well you know it's not going to be garbage that overtakes the u.s it's going to be youtube videos of cats dogs and your baby (laughs) well and unfortunately uh this article as i said was called the worst job in tech the worst job in the tech industry is watching all of that to remove the bad stuff. Oh, God. So the uh, former, uh, Sarah Katz, who is a former uh, 
Facebook content moderator said she reviewed as many as 8,000 posts a day and was only paid $24 an hour to do this work. And she watched and read some of the most vile content produced by man. So burnout's very common for people who have that. But fortunately... We have the cat videos that you like and the dog videos <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of fun stuff. We, we heard today that some of our friends actually did a uh, Gilligan's Island parody and they pushed it pushed it on the uh, on the web. Their yeah. family did. So yeah. we're looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> so that's it for me today, Bob. Do you have any last words for me? What would be your last words, Bob? That's it. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know what my famous last words. They wouldn't be famous. I know that. No. Probably probably just I love you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can hear you saying that. Thanks for being with us. And we hope you've enjoyed listening to us as we prattle on with some interesting facts and trivia. I guess because we're going stir-crazy like most people are too. Uh, Getting out, get some exercise. Get some of the energy out of your body. Enjoy your life. All right, that's it. (laughs) Thanks for the preaching, Bob. I'm Bob Smith. (laughs) I'm Marsha. And welcome. Thank you for... (laughs) You don't know if you're coming or going, do you? Thanks for listening. I'm Bob. And I'm Marsh. No, wait a minute. That's not. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, I get. We've been alone too much. I think so. We've become one. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. And Thanks this, for listening. Yeah, it's the off ramp. <laughs> I'm going to get off the off ramp right now. Join us again next time. Thanks. Bye. It's funny. I'm getting off the off ramp. I'm going to get off now. Well I, well, I still can. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.